everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Lighter Side of Serial Killers here on the Boombastic Media Network. I'm your host, Keith Revere. I'm an author and collector of true crime art and memorabilia. If you haven't yet, hop over to Amazon. Not right now, after the podcast. But no, it's not live. You actually pause the podcast, hop over to Amazon, and pick up my books. First book, Serial Killers in Heaven and Victims in Hell. There's a little question mark at the end of that. It's a question, not a statement. Examining Christian... Uh, or Christianity in the life of violent offenders. Is it real? Is it fake? Are they just putting a show on for a parole board? Because everybody finds the baby Jesus in prison. You know, and I think most of them are full of crap. Uh, so we examine that. It's not a how to be a Christian book. Um, no, I lay the foundation of what it means to be a Christian from what um, the Bible says. Um, but for my personal relationship with names like David Berkowitz, Manson family members Bruce Davis and Tex Watson, uh, the murder of John Lennon, David Chapman, uh, youngest woman on Florida's death row, Tiffany Cole, and more. Uh, not a big book, uh, not too expensive. I think about seven or eight bucks, whatever I have it up there for. Uh, so go check that out. Serial killer Dana Gray, who's been on the podcast a few times, uh, she wrote the foreword to the book. So check that out. Um, my other book, The Story of You. That's why you, as you, as in you, Masaki from Signs of a Psychopath, season three, episode one, called "I Am Strange." His absolute mind-blowing story. Um, yeah, I remember putting that book together and our conversations from a year or so of time. And every conversation, he'd say something else that just blew my mind that we had to put into the story. Um, so check that out. I mean, hopefully it'll be a movie one day. It's, it's that amazing of a story, his story. Um, and mixed in is how brain abnormalities can take normal people and turn them into violent offenders. And I really highlight the fact that, yes, there are evil people in the world. Um, not talking about that. I'm talking about people who have abnormalities in the brain um, and different conditions that take a normal person, like, like your amygdala portion of the brain and that frontal cortex where that, that's where fear is. That's where empathy is. That's where the stop button is. You know, when somebody bumps you on the shoulder and you want to smack them, well, you don't because your amygdala kicks in and it's like, oh, you think twice about it. They don't have that. They don't have that ability. We can't put ourselves in shoes and be like, well, if I was them, I would do this or that. No, you don't. you don't have the same brain as they do. Uh, so I really focus on that. Obviously, recidivism rates in prisons, um, the pluses and minuses about a lot of things um, the facilities have. Um, so check out those books. And today's episode is brought to you by ArtGrinder.com from the legendary true crime artist Sam Hain. Uh, if you follow me on social media again, you will see some of the most amazing artwork uh, that I had asked him to draw for me. Um, I get everybody. My favorite uh, image that people draw is like this crucifix and a serpent. All my uh, Anybody who does artwork has done a piece for me. I have tons of those artists um, doing that rendering uh, and their own interpretation of it. That is something that was taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 3, kind of a biblical thing. Um, and then serial killers playing poker in hell. Let them do whatever you want. I just want serial killers playing poker in hell and is one of my favorite pieces um, that I own. Um, go to his website, arcgrinder.com, because we have a special just for listeners uh, to the Lighter Side of Serial Killer podcast. Um, he has some of the most amazing prints of his artwork. So the first five people who go to artgrinder.com is buy one, get one free. Buy any one of his amazing prints, and he's going to give you one for free. A little surprise in the bag, if you will. Uh, so hop over there, or hit him up on uh, Instagram, Sam Hain 69 S-A-M-H-A-N-E 69. 
Um, he's on YouTube too. Send him some love. Show him some support. Um, go to his page. And even if you don't want to print, go follow him. You know, we need to support each other here in a true crime community. Uh, so check out SamHaines69 at ArtGrinder.com. Again, the first five people who purchase a print and mention my name, Keith Revere, and the podcast that you heard it on, the letter side of Serial Killers, buy any print, and he's going to send you a little goodie, a little freebie uh, in the bag. Uh, so go over the hair, uh, show him support, show him some love, uh, tell him where you heard about him from, uh, and you won't be disappointed. Some of the most amazing artwork you will ever seen in that uh style that only Sam Haim can do. When you hop over there, you're going to say, oh, I've seen that piece before, like Jeffrey Dahmer's altar um, that was, you know, that is highlighted in most of the documentaries. Uh, so check him out, give him some love, uh, and he'll appreciate that. All righty? So now we're going to hear from Wayne Garrison. I've known Wayne for many, 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 many years, uh, writing back and forth for a while. I just agreed to come on to the podcast. Um He's been accused of many things, you know, from his childhood, you know, through his youth. He still maintained his innocent uh, innocence. Um, this is not a podcast where I'm going to press the issue too hard, whether I believe somebody is innocent or not. I, I don't put myself in that position. Uh, I can let the reader decide on that. Um, so you say, why did you press harder on this issue? Well, it's, I'm, I'm, this is a lighter side of serial killers. I'm just giving people a platform uh, to say whatever they want. You know, there's no rules on this platform. I just try to keep it on the lighter side. Uh, so I hope you enjoy it. So here we go, Wayne Garrison. Hey, how are you? I'm pretty good. How you doing? Good. How you been? Oh, fair to Midland. Glad we finally got off lockdown again. Oh, no. What were you on lockdown for? Oh, they had various stabbings on the yard. and a bunch. Uh, one guy died. Oh, wow. We're not supposed to be tied in with the yard, but they managed to... Lock it down anyway, for good measure, I guess. Oh, wow. That's horrible. How long was that for? Yeah. Uh, we was down about three weeks. Oh, that's horrible. Well, I guess you're probably used to yeah. it now, after all the, the way they treat you there. Uh, yeah, this this place, we're hoping that we move from this place. Canteen's so damn high here, it's not even funny. Oh, no. That's horrible. Well, we pay the highest price. It's, this is a private facility, and uh, they charge us the highest prices in the entire state for canteen. Wow. Uh, like a romaine noodle soup, we can get at a steak for like 28 cents. Yeah, yeah. Plus it's 72 here. Yeah, jeez. dollar, huh? I would say, yeah, state-run or, or the state-run facilities are one thing, but privately-owned ones, it's all about making money. It's just a business. Oh, yeah. Just a business. Oh, yeah. Plus, this place gets kickbacks, gives kickbacks to its uh, shareholders, mm -hmm. which is basically ex-governors and uh, people who run the OC. Mm. Ain't that amazing? Yeah. <laughs> Sad but true. Sad but definitely true. But at least... Uh, at least they're have out of lockdown. Have you got the package I sent you? No, not yet. I didn't. I usually get a notification to my PO box. Uh, I didn't see anything in there. Uh, I have one letter that came in. Um, they have to go okay. get. Maybe so I don't always get notified, so I'm going to take a ride down tomorrow uh, and check out. All so right. maybe I did. Yeah, I mailed it about three weeks ago. Oh, really? Yeah, this place is sometimes slow about yeah. <laughs> mailing stuff. That can be a lot of facilities. Yeah. I'm going to take a ride down there tomorrow to, to check it out. So hopefully so. Definitely hopefully All so. Right. 
it should have three paintings and a 57 Chevy inside. Oh, that's awesome. Definitely. And it's, uh, and it, you know, I always thought a 57 Chevy looks best when it's that turquoise and white. Mm. And that's what it's in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, everybody's so amazed at the pieces I, I've shown them off before uh, the online and people who follow my podcast, and they're like, that's impossible. I'm like, no, I don't know how he does it. You know, he's just a genius when it comes to that stuff. So wait till they wait till they see the '57 Chevy. Everybody, thinks yeah. <laughs> I usually do what's called an unboxing. Like I'll, I'll, I'll shoot a live video of me unboxing it because I know what's in there. Uh, everybody yeah. goes crazy. Definitely. And uh, like I said, there's three paintings and the '57 Chevy. That's gonna be awesome. Uh, you should get, hope to get your book soon too. You got some books on on the way for you that you wanted to. Okay, so that'd be good. I'm trying to remember. I think I put Chrome Reverse Mags on it. That is <laughs> that's awesome. And uh, it's got the 57 fuel injection uh, engine in it. Wow! With the little markings on the side of the fenders, it looks pretty good. Oh, I'm sure it looks more than pretty good. I'm sure it's amazing. This the detail that's yeah. it's just outstanding. It's, it's, I've, I've been trying to find a book on old pickup trucks, and I can't find one. Oh no, that's not hardback. Mm-hmm. When did you actually start doing the artwork? Like how how old were you when you started uh, doing the art? Oh, I've been uh, building stuff with my hands ever since I was a remember. Oh wow. <laughs> uh, but I guess. I started drawing when I uh, found a piece of uh, paper and pencil. Yeah. <laughs> when I was in kindergarten, I drew a tree that my kindergarten teacher couldn't believe that I drew it. That's awesome. And uh, I was uh, my gra- I lived with my grandma most of my life, and she only had her social security and my little SSI check she got for keeping me. Mm. And she didn't have, couldn't afford to buy toys. A friend of mine would get a Tonka toy, and I'd whip out a ruler and start taking measurements. And I'd recreate it out of, out of a chipboard. Wow. That's amazing. Well, I guess sometimes you got to get creative. You know, when you don't have a house full of expensive toys and all that kind of stuff, you got to... Yeah. Little, little boys are going to do what they have, you know, get creative for sure. That's awesome. It's just, I used to make all sorts of stuff for my son. We used to make sailing ships. And uh, I uh, used a little fiberglass resin, go on the outside of it, put resin and uh, metal shavings on the inside, use it for ballast. Mm -hmm. And we'd take them out to this uh, small lake and we'd sail them. That's cool. And uh, we used to have all sorts of kids, uh, Sitting along the banks watching his boat sail by. <laughs> we're talking like full rig clipper ships or. Oh, British, wow. Uh, or, or, uh, no, we're talking square riggers. Mm-hmm. That might be four feet long. I was just going to ask you, how long were they? <laughs> Holy crap. About, about four feet. Oh, uh, that's great. Now, and, could, uh. Huh? I was say, could you retrieve them afterwards or you just, they just start going and going oh, yeah, and going? He, he, We'd walk, we'd walk around the bank, wait for it to sail to the other side. Okay. <laughs> he didn't know it, but he was, he, he was getting exercise. There you go. <laughs> oh, that's too great. Uh, and 
where he got to, uh, we would be looking through a ship book, he'd find another one, and he'd give, we'd be out there with a new one, and he'd see something good, and he'd ask him if he'd like it. He'd say, yeah, he'd give him the old one. Wow. That's amazing. I had a, I raised a very, very good kid. Mm-hmm. And do you still, he, uh, uh-huh. Uh, well, I guess you could say he really never got really any real trouble. He never really spanked that much. Mm-hmm. I guess I kind of raised him. I think I spanked him ten times in his entire life. <laughs> That's good. Just just knowing Dad was mad at him was quite sufficient. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's just a look. Sometimes Dad can just give you a look and you realize, all right, I better stop. <laughs> and if, if you use his full name, he's like, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> oh, that's always, yep. Especially the middle name. You know, he like that Keith, oh, yeah. Keith Richard Rovere. You just run, you know, <laughs> just start running. Like, oh, I am in trouble. <laughs> I got, I mean, I got, I got, hit a, I got beat a couple times. Nothing really bad. What was the worst is I was ticklish. So like my mom would sit on my feet and my dad would hold my hands and tickle me. That was the worst. That oh, was really? unbearable. That was that was good enough to me, knowing I ain't doing that again. <laughs> yeah, whatever it was. My son, my son, and, we, and I we start wrestling around, and I give him a scissor lock uh, with his feet sticking out. <laughs> then I slowly take his shoes off. Be like, no, 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 no. Oh, it's the worst. Same thing. Same thing. My parents did. And then he start tickling. Yep, <laughs> that's the absolute worst. I think I got the belt a couple times, but, but that was it. <laughs> Mostly the grounding and tickling of it does. That's it. I'll straighten up. <laughs> now, do you still? I know you're seventy so... okay. I'm sorry. You have this old '59 Impala, and that was my car I drove years and years and years. Wow. I just liked it. Mm-hmm. It made the same year, and uh, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still have any? any and, uh, did the cars kind of stay in the family at all, or are they all kind of long gone now? Well, they used to be in the family. I think wife, my ex-wife got rid of it. Ah, oh, bummer. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's the car I drove in high school. It's the car I aided in. Uh, that sucks. Uh, the car we got married with. car oh. I brought my son home in. <laughs> oh wow! Well, at least you got the memories anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you still I, talk, do you still have I a lot of family? My, do you still have a lot of family out there? Do you still talk to any family? Uh, all my family's gone now. Oh, that's a shame. Now, are you guys yeah, in touch, yeah. or how's that relationship? I know it can be a little tricky when people well, are incarcerated. It, it was, used to be really, really good, but you know, this many years, and uh, my ex-wife's not being real nice. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, kind of soured it. Mm-hmm. And he writes me every great once in a while. Oh, well, that's good, though. Yeah, he keeps in touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, he, I guess he just doesn't realize how much a dad misses for kids. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, I don't have children, so I can't really relate, but I'm sure it's horrible. Yeah. yeah but at least he still writes once in a while, so that's a good sign. There's, there's some people that I talked to over the yeah. years. That, uh, you know, all all the family doesn't talk to him anymore. And so at least he still reaches yeah. out. Yeah. I mm-hmm. had a friend. We was born on the same day. 
same hospital, same year, same doctor, <laughs> within five minutes of each other. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's wild. And we... And we met when I uh, the summer between the second and third grade, mm. and we always called ourselves brothers. You don't can imagine. And uh, he had a real bad stroke a couple weeks ago, and I hope I have not heard from his sister if he's uh, survived or not. Oh no! Yeah, we've known each other for oh, good lord. 55 years? Mm. Longer than I've been alive. By five years. <laughs> I'm getting up there, but and, almost. Uh, yeah. It just, you know, it's, uh, this place has been slow playing me on by getting a visit, a visitation approved. And he's trying to get the visitation approved and a slow place. Now, I may never get to see my oldest friend. Oh no! How long has it ta- how long has it been yeah. taken? The uh, process. Huh? How long does the process usually take normally for a visitation? It's supposed, to, it's supposed to take about thirty days. It's been it was been six months. Oh wow! What's their excuse? They have their excuse. They just don't do anything. Yeah. This is the laziest bunch of people I've ever seen in my life. You think, is it just the facility, or they have something against you? Like, they just don't maybe like you? No, it's just facility. It's it's everybody. Ah, it's horrible. They just hate doing doing their work. Yeah. Yeah, that's horrible. Especially a place, you know, it's supposed to be about positivity and rehabilitation on paper. You know, that's what's supposed to be, helping guys out and teaching and helping out. And and so many facilities, they could care less. I think in the last year, we got to go outside maybe 10 times. Ugh, horrible. Especially with the private facilities. Because it's all about making money. Yeah. You know, they want the, they want their place filled. You know, <laughs> they don't want people leaving and, and rehabilitated and all that stuff, depending what they're in for. But um, it's horrible. Oklahoma is, one, Oklahoma is one of the worst states. They do not, do not want to see a successful inmate make it on the outside. No, especially private facilities. They're going to lose money. No, no, I'm talking about the state in general. Oh, the whole state they does. Oh, it. okay. The whole state the whole state is set up to make sure that a person that has a, is an ex-son has absolutely no chance of getting any type of job, uh, uh, job that, that pays anything. And uh, even those jobs are getting harder and harder to come by. Oh, that's so sad. Like, uh, a lot of people get out and they used to deliver pizzas, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now Oklahoma's passed law that they, uh, you have to pass a background check. Wow. To deliver pizzas. Jeez. That's and they got the, some of the harshest laws in the country. Yeah. That's the basic stuff. I know here in New Jersey, I mean, at least. You know, some of the ICTA care groups that I help out with when people get out, one's called uh, Seeds of Hope, one's called South Jersey ICTA Care is for the men. At least we, we help you, yeah. you know, get in touch, like like the recycling plant, you know, some places like that, and, uh, you know, they'll hire you up. So there's some places that we can definitely go, you know, for a recommendation that we can get you somewhere. But it's like, come on, delivering right. pizzas, you know, or 
You know, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, we had a kind of a big uh, mess up. Uh, we was I had a way to prove my innocence, and we needed the evidence in our uh, a couple pieces of evidence for my trial. Mm-hmm. Well, the first the cost of, uh, uh, police department said uh, they gave us a list of the evidence they had. And uh, we uh, went to court, and order, uh, court ordered them to uh, give us these pieces of evidence. Uh, certainly, Tulsa Police Department lost it all. Just, just lost it. That's all they said. Yeah, it's, uh, we've, I'm sorry, it's been misplaced or lost or destroyed. We don't know what happened to it. Wow. But they just six months before gave us a list of stuff they had. Did they say what what the evidence was? Oh yeah, we they gave, we had an itemized list of what it was. Mm. You see, the very uh, the only thing that's keeping me in prison right now is this so-called bite mark. Well, yeah, I read about that. Yeah, yeah, it's a series of four and a half inch long parallel lines across my hand. Well, this is, wasn't it from you said didn't you and your brother or something got in a fight or and. He scratched yeah. you or a bitch you or something my, like that? or No, no, no. My, my, half, my half-brother was a, uh, best I could put it, was a psychopath. Oh, okay. No, I'm serious. I'm being kind. Oh, no. Uh, he put me in the hospital 35 times between when I was two and a half to six years old. Mm. He That's tried horrible. to drown me, tried to... He tried to hang me, drown me, threw me off a railroad trestle bridge, and that hurt. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. I, I mean, I, that really kicked me down a flight of stairs, uh, buried me alive once. Wow. Uh, knocked me out, put me in a canvas bag, put me in a paper, uh, car, uh, cardboard bag, taped it shut, threw me in the Arkansas River. Oh. And somehow, uh, floated down, got next to the shore, and a tree limb caught me. This cardboard box came apart, and I got loose, and I got out of the paper, of the canvas bag, and walked home butt naked. <laughs> I think I was. Wow. Five years, uh, four, no, four years old. Oh, that young. Oh, it's horrible. Yes. Uh, now, he worked yeah, with so, you. Oh, yeah, Paul. Didn't he work huh? with he worked with you at the shop, right? Your brother? Yeah, my grandma talked me into giving him a job. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I, grandma, do you have any idea how much I dislike Paul? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I yeah. So you know the uh, history between us. Why won't God's great history you ask me to give him a job? Wow. He said he's your brother. I said no, he's not. The only other thing I think I heard about that case was you know, something about a bite mark, but he said he, it was on record that you and your brother had gotten a fight or something that day, and something about strip caulk. There's some kind of strip caulk yeah, on the uh, body that was also found, well, see, the, but your brother no, worked there, there too. No, no uh, what it was, they, my, the, uh, I had speaker wires, in a working speaker system in my car, and it had a body caulk, because they used it, I can think for the you know, watertight the seals and stuff. And I had taken up my uh, 
access plate on my driver's side to run the wires through right up to my new speakers. Uh, they took they cut a section of that wire out that had uh, cocking, body cock all over it. And a piece of wire was uh, attached to part of the body and just a single dot the size of a period on it. It wasn't even the same color. Jeez. But yet, magically, they said it came from the same source. Is that a well? Jeez, that's horrible. But wires in my car, you know that bright orange red speaker wire? Oh, okay, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, actually, shipped every damn car in the country. Yeah. <laughs> the wire they had was the same gauge, but a dark maroon. Ah, uh, wow. They had one tiny little dot. Hmm. And there is no way a, a red wire is going to turn maroon. It didn't turn back to red again. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. And that was disproven at trial. Uh, the so-called fight mark, this uh, state had taken a picture of my hand back in uh, 89 for my case against Paul. And on the back of the photograph is this photo of the victim's arm. It had a date. The date is older than the crime. Oh, jeez. Tell me how you could do uh, get hit on a crime uh, before the crime happened. Yeah. <laughs> kind of screwed, don't you think? Yeah, it's a shame. And have you ever seen anybody bite straight lines? No, I mean, bite marks usually looks just like a... It's two, no. two opposing horseshoe-shaped indenture with the in, uh, individual tooth marks. Oh, yeah, exactly. Not yeah. straight. Yeah, not straight line. Oh, no, I never... I never, I never that what it was? I didn't see a picture of them. Okay, that's crazy. Yeah. They were straight lines. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was from Paul's attack on me. Uh-huh. I blocked my hand against his entrench, army entrenching tool on the old army folding shovel. Mm-hmm. And the grooves came from the locking collar around the shovel. Mm. He, he had the shovel locked at a 45-degree angle like a hole or a pick. Yeah. And uh, I caught the collar mark across the top of my hand about three times. Oh, wow. And today, I still uh, still have trouble with my head. It busted something inside, and I can't get nothing done about it. Yeah, I can't pick up anything. I can't pick anything up over five pounds, or it feels like the end of my hand comes off. Yeah, if they're like not, so I took an axe and chop. Yeah, if they're not allowing so if they're not allowing visitors in to see it, I'm sure they're not going to help you take care of a <laughs> your hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, heck, I've got like I've had a busted molar. I mean, it uh, it literally broke off. I was supposed to. He's supposed to fix the filling, mm-hmm. but he never got around to it. Oh, but then geez. the uh, filling got pushed in, and it cracked the tooth. Oh. Well, he's supposed to fix that, but he never got around to it. So now the tooth is completely falling apart. And I got maybe a half of a piece of the outside edge of the tooth, and the gums is trying to cover the rest of it. That does not sound it's now pleasant. almost impacted. And I've been waiting three and a half months now for it. 
does not sound pleasant at all. It is not. Mm. This place is right out of uh, Stockholm. Oh. Yeah, it's just so sad to I hear. Mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, because you're just one story, you know. <laughs> How many horrible stories are there between everybody? And every, I'm sure everybody's, you know, needs something that they're not getting hey, there. I I had my uh, attorneys from Hoyts had a checkup on it, and they said, he said, wait, how are you still alive? How are you still sane? Said, you, wow. Your uh, life is like a uh, Dr. K- I mean, uh Stephen King uh, novel. Uh, it sounds like you, you didn't have it easy growing up either. Uh, I did not. Mm-hmm. That's I wild. mean, all destroyed my early uh, life, and my crazy uh, uncle moved in with my grandma and took care of the rest of my uh, when I was growing up. Uh, what did he do? Well, he like tried to stab me with knives. Well, yeah, that, I can see that being a problem. Man, I got a nice hole uh, through one finger. Uh, one good, wait, knife went in one side, not the other, and I was in. Uh, I'm still in second grade. Oh, so you're real young. Okay, it's like six or seven. Something like that. Yeah. I can use my. I was playing ba- pee wee baseball. I put my uh, cleats into his shin. He didn't like that very much. <laughs> Grab my baseball bat when he came after me again with that dang knife. I hit the uh, hit the knife hard as I could, and, uh, knocked it out of his hand, and drove it into the wall. Wow! Mm. Had to go get I think about fifteen stitches to put the hole back, uh, the finger back together. Oh wow! How old uh, How old were you when you got married? Uh, you get married young. 20- I think it was 20, maybe 23. Oh, so it was pretty young. Okay. Yeah. Well, I had a girlfriend in high school. I've known since fifth grade. She got killed in a car wreck a week before we were supposed to get married. Oh, no. Yeah, that that really, that hurt. Oh, I imagine. It wasn't like earlier on. No, you got trouble something when you were a kid, but didn't like the court send you like a hospital for a while too, or they had to check, it had to get checked out like at a psychiatry place or something? Yeah. Oh. And my, uh, How long did you get stuck there therapist, for? My uh, therapist, that was court ordered. That's what I said, yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, so see, my cousin died, and it was ruled an accidental death. Uh-huh. And I had an emotional breakdown. Uh. Because I had tried to save her, and I couldn't. Oh, wow. And the uh, year before, I had saved my best friend when he almost drowned. And I saved another boy when he had heat stroke. Ooh. And my cousin got a, she was always chewing paper. I don't know why. <laughs> and I and I told her a joke, and she laughed, and sucked it, she sucked it into her airway. And I, uh, they didn't have the Heimlich maneuver back then. Mm. It was, uh, you know, three rasp on the back. And I uh, tried again, but it was too short. And I was yelling for my uncle to wake up. And I've had strep throat at the time, so I wasn't making a whole lot of him. Making a lot of noise. Oh, wow. And uh, I tried to help her, and I gave her, when I finally got it out, 
The only way I could get out, I had to push on it from the bottom of her throat to push it up uh, high enough where I could reach in and grab the dang thing. Mm-hmm. I pulled it out and I uh, gave her mouth to mouth that I didn't know CPR. How old were you then? Uh, just turned 13. Okay, a little bit older. Okay, so you weren't too, too young. So you know a little bit about trying to do something. Okay. Yeah, we learned a little bit scouts yeah. about it, but, you know. Yeah. That stuff you get heavy in when you get become a boy scout. Mm. Out of Weeblo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, you're just guessing at that point. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, uh, and that's when everything just kind of went upside down, because the police department never thought I was punished for the crime, but the court had ruled it as an accidental death. Uh-huh. And that put Tulsa on uh, trying to find any reason at all to wow. get me. Uh, so that was their solution I to mean, go put you in a hospital? Was the solution a psychiatric place? Well, that was the uh, court order because, like I said, I had emotional breakdown. I couldn't uh, understand why I could save my friend from drowning. And that was a whole lot harder than my uh, cousin just had a stupid piece of paper lodged in their airway. Oh, so it wasn't a punishment. It was because you really needed some, you know, some help because you were, you know, from all the drama. Right. The drama to ha- yeah, oh, I got you. I got you. Right. Wow. You think it, just, did it help you? Him. Did it help you get through it? Yeah, he, uh, Val, uh, Val did. He, he was a real good therapist. Oh, that's good. And we're still, we still write. Oh, you do? Oh, wow. Yep. He's getting old. He said, Wayne, remember, as old as you are, I'm still 10 years older than you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. You kept in touch all this year, I'm sure. I'm yeah, sure he, he's probably yeah, giving he, you better advice than anybody at the facility has given you if you need to talk to somebody. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. I mean, does that facility even have anybody to talk to for anybody? Any kind of psychiatrist help? Or not really? Here? Yeah, that's what I mean. Not really. Yeah. All they want to do is, uh, oh, yeah, well, I'll see you, and then you never get seen. Yeah. If you don't have a, uh, case of, you know, that that's on the books, they ain't gonna pay you no attention. Gotcha. Even though, uh, Val says, I, I showed all the sign of, uh, post traumatic stress disorder back when I was 13. Wow. And, uh, but that wasn't a thing back then. Yeah, I mean, not a term anyway. It was a real thing, just not a term. Yeah, it was uh, It was a real thing. Oh, I can and, imagine. Uh, I mean, it's... Uh, well, makes... And the only time I've ever, ever been really, truly happy was when I had my wife and my son. Mm, I can imagine. I, I always I, I run my son home. I said I got on my knees. I, I prayed to God and said, "God, I never had a dad, so I'm gonna have to wink." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I need a little help here, Lord. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I said, "Give me guidance to uh, teach my kids from right from wrong, mm-hmm. and teach me to be the best dad I can be." Well, it sounds like he did pretty good. Sounds like he's, from you're saying, yeah. has a pretty good head on his shoulders, right? Never gotten really got in trouble. Oh no, he's he's never been in trouble. Uh, when they went, my uh, attorneys went to talk to him, 
They said, that is one boy that's got his head on his shoulder. Oh, that's That good. is one smart kid. Yeah, that's good. Real, real high IQ. Oh, that's good. Huh? I said, oh, that's, he's got real high that, IQ. Oh, nice. Well, now and, you know why you're, uh, you're so creative. You know, all the distractions from reality. You know, yeah. get, your, get your mind he's, elsewhere and create, create things and build things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, and I, when, even when I was at CC, we'd go out, I'd make boats and stuff. We'd take it out and sail the boats. Oh, that's And great. they'd be fully rigged ships. That's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Totally amazing. How's your uh, How's your eyes doing? You said uh, it was one eye was giving you is, well, is it doing bad or one, both? My right eye, my right eye, I've lost about half my vision. Oh wow! And I'm still on the <clears throat> waiting list to see the eye specialist. Hmm. I'm just hoping this older problem don't get uh, infected to the point where it starts putting infection into my bloodstream. Uh. That can that can kill me very easily. Oh, we definitely well, don't want that. Think, okay. Well, about out of time. Yeah. Uh, well, I got so say keep your eye out for the books. You hopefully. Um, well, I don't know how long they're going to hold them before you get them, but the books are on the way that you wanted. So hopefully, you get them soon. Okay. All right. You take it easy. You too. Great talking to you. I'll talk to you soon. You take care. All right. All right, brother. Bye-bye. You take care. Bye bye. Well, there you have it, a conversation with Wayne Garrison. Now, if you know anything uh, about his case and his past, obviously I wasn't hitting him too hard with, you know, some evidence and facts and um, surroundings of, you know, some murders um, when he was younger that he was charged with. Um, again, we try to keep him on the letter side, give them a platform to speak. I'm not, I'm not 60 minutes and, you know, those people are trying to um, – make the point that somebody is guilty or not guilty. I'm just giving people a platform. Uh, so more on the friendlier side of conversations, of course, you guys can make your you know own judgment on whether you think somebody is guilty. And now most people, when you talk to at a prison facility, with the exception of a few, are always going to say that they're innocent. You know, that, that's very rare. I mean, we have Keith Jesperson, who obviously he's very bold in his claims and goes to very detailed explanations of how he killed people and all that. But most of the time, you're usually going to get somebody to say, you know, that they're innocent. Of course that you are. Um, so, again, I'm just giving the guys a platform. Here are some of my conversations with them. Um, obviously, they want this stuff out to the public, so I give them a little platform. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation, and keep an eye out for his artwork. I go to my pages and see some of his stuff. It's amazing. You heard the what his facility is like, the lock up and th- lock you up and throw away uh, with the key facility, yet the amazing, beautiful, stunning artwork that he creates. You hear him talk about the boats, but um, if you see on my, on my social media pages, the cars and the trucks and the detail, the engines are exact, the fuzzy dice and the mirrors, um, the underbelly of the car, um, it's absolutely stunning. Um, to see what he can do with the scraps from his prison facility and the amazing art that he can create. I'm so looking forward to the package that's on its way. Like I said, it's still not here yet, but if you follow me on social media, you'll, you'll see the unveiling and the unboxing of, of the amazing artwork that he does. All righty. Well, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget to share the podcast. Tell all your friends so we can grow, 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 grow. And until next time, see ya!